Support for this podcast comes from ODC Dance. The world-class company returns for Dance Downtown, March 27th through the 31st, with two electrifying programs and five works, springing from cartoon, the news, and human connection. ODC.dance slash downtown. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. In June of 2018, Jermaine Charlot left a bar in downtown Missoula, Montana, turned a corner, and was never seen again. She was 23 years old, a mother of two, and indigenous. Her case has not yet been solved. My guest, Connie Walker, has chronicled the investigation of Charlo's disappearance and her life in a podcast titled Stolen. And Connie Walker joins us now, a warning, though, to listeners that we will be talking about murder and sexual violence in this segment, so so please take care. Connie Walker, welcome to Forum. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to join you. Can you tell us a little bit more about who Jermaine Charlotte was and what drew you to her case? Sure. Jermaine Charlotte um, is a 23-year-old uh, mother of, of two uh, young boys. She was a member of the Confederated Salish and Kootenai tribes in Montana. Um, and in speaking with her family and friends for the podcast, um, you know, they told me about how Jermaine was, you know, a funny, playful a uh, loving mother who, um, you know, was was really uh, beloved by her family and, and is so missed by them. Um, Jermaine is one of, unfortunately, thousands of missing or murdered Indigenous women and girls mm-hmm. in Canada and in the United States. And her family's story, as tragic and heartbreaking as it is, is, is not unique. Um, so there are so many cases like Jermaine's and so many stories like Jermaine's that, that deserve attention. Um, yes. But as soon as I heard about Jermaine, I, I knew that I wanted to know more about her, her disappearance and, and her life. Can you tell us the basic contours of what did happen to her, of her disappearance? Sure. I mean, Jermaine was um, in June of 2018, June 15th. She was one of hundreds of other young people in downtown Missoula. I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever been there, but it's a really vibrant college town. Um, and on a Friday night, she was out enjoying the night. And she was last captured on that surveillance footage after she left uh, a bar called The Badlander in downtown Missoula. Um, and she walked down that alley and turned a corner and was never seen again. Uh, and her family, you know, the very next day, as soon as they couldn't hear or didn't couldn't reach Jermaine and didn't hear from her, um, they were immediately concerned. They they knew that Jermaine always texted back. She always called back. She was never without her phone. She was very active on social media. So even a day without hearing from Jermaine, her family was very concerned and tried to report her missing. Um, and it's been two and a, two, over two and a half years. It'll be three years in June. And her family is still looking for Jermaine and still searching for her and still, you know, demanding answers about not only the truth about her disappearance, but, but really trying to understand why almost three years later, they're, they're, they haven't been able to, to find Jermaine and to bring her home. Yes, I, I want to play a little bit from the podcast. One of the things that was so striking and tragic, really, is that as you are talking to Jermaine's family and friends about her, 
you learn that they were also victims of terrible violence. This is Jermaine's best friend, Jocelyn, confiding in you. We get raped. We get murdered. Uh, sometimes stuff doesn't get done about it. Sometimes they just brush it up under the rug, drop charges that, you know, were being filed. Because uh, I actually had a rapist out there. So I kind of really didn't have anyone to talk to about it. I'm sorry to hear uh, that. <laughs> happened when I was 13 years old. Oh, no. Um, I didn't know what was going on. I just, it happened. And I didn't say nothing to my mom and dad. Because I just, I didn't want to go through with anything. I just I wanted to pretend that it didn't happen. And that is from the podcast Stolen that is hosted by my guest journalist, Connie Walker, who has been covering Indigenous women for for decades, who's been a journalist for decades and been covering the situation of indigenous peoples and indigenous women for a long time now. You know, you hear that from Jocelyn. You also hear from Jermaine's aunt, Danny, whose ex-husband is now in prison, tried to kill her, that that her grandmother, Vicky, and her mother, Jen, are also people who have experienced violence. And you make this realization that every single woman you met on the Flathead Reservation was a survivor of violence. And I just wonder what impression that must leave on you or, or what insights it gives you into Jermaine's life. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm an Indigenous woman. I'm I'm Cree from Canada, and I grew up in my community. So, you know, I, I know from my own lived experience um, that, that so many Indigenous women experience and are survivors of, of terrible violence. And that's what's led to this crisis of, of missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls in Canada and in the United States. And I think that, that, you know, we, you know, especially on days like today, which is May 5th, which is a, you know, just been proclaimed a national day of awareness about missing and murdered indigenous people. Um, you know, I think you hear about the statistics a lot. You hear about the, the numbers, you, you know, um, you know, more than 80% of indigenous women will experience violence, you know, more than one in two will experience some form of sexual violence. But really getting to travel to Montana and to the Flathead Reservation and to meet these women like Jocelyn and Jermaine's family members and to learn about the violence Jermaine survived, um, you know, in her life and experienced throughout her life, you know, it, it really, I think the goal is to help illustrate how there are real people at the center of those statistics and real people at the center of this violence, that this is not just an issue, this is not, you know, these are not not just numbers, that, that every single case is a woman or a girl who was a mother or a daughter or a sister and auntie, and who leaves behind all of these, these, these women who themselves are, are grappling with the violence and the trauma that's interwoven within that, and, and are, you know, forced to kind of keep going, and, and who then become advocates and activists themselves and, and are really the ones who are pushing this issue into the spotlight. We're talking with Connie Walker, host of the Gimlet Media podcast, Stolen, The Search for Germain. Connie Walker is also former host of CBC News Network's Missing and Murdered podcast. And you, our listeners, if you'd like to join the conversation, can do so by calling 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786. You can get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum or email us forum at kqed.org. If you're reacting to Jermaine's story or what Connie Walker is telling you about the violence experienced by Indigenous women in the U.S. and Canada, uh, feel free to share that with us or whatever questions you may have. 
you know, Connie Walker, as I listen to you cite those numbers, I also understand that that there is strong agreement that it is likely a significant undercount. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about why it is so hard to get consistent numbers? Well, I think especially, I mean, what I've been learning about and reporting um, in the U.S. is is that it's really like a patchwork of jurisdictions that that Indigenous people, you know, have to grapple with, and they become really significant hurdles. You know, Jermaine's family, for example, you know, they were immediately concerned and they wanted to report her missing, and they reported her missing to the tribal police on Sunday because she was a member of the Confederated Salish and Kootenai tribes, and she was a, a tribal member, and she lived on the reservation. But because she was last seen in Missoula, she also needed to be reported missing uh, to the Missoula City Police. And that was something that ended up taking multiple days. And then her family members actually had to go into Missoula to to do that. But on the Flathead Reservation, you know, um, there are actually five different sheriff's uh, counties that have jurisdiction on the reservation. So depending on where you are on this reservation, when you call police for help, a a different agency could could respond. And, And I think that there then are some other reservations that have, you, you know, Bureau of Indian Affairs and an FBI oversight. And, and then obviously, you know, a large number of Indigenous people live in urban centers and communities and so um, are also dealing with, with city police. So I think that, that this patchwork of jurisdictions makes it really hard to understand hmm. um, the scope of the problem, but it also, you know, creates these hurdles that family members and, and, and people have to navigate, even in reporting somebody missing or or trying to to access or get access to law enforcement. But I think we also have to really be conscious of, and the podcast is also, you know, we're very much focused on Jermaine's disappearance and trying to find the answers about what happened to her. And, and in even asking that question, you know, I know that Jermaine's story didn't begin on the night that she disappeared, that it really, you know, her entire life was impacted by, the, the truth about the history of the land that we're all on. And, and so much of this crisis is connected back to that history and what we don't understand about Indigenous people and how we've been affected by colonization, how, how we've been affected by institutional racism and how that, that is contributing to this crisis of violence. So, you know, our, our podcast is, is trying to do kind of two things in, in helping people understand Jermaine's story, but also how she's connected back to this bigger crisis and this bigger issue of violence that all Indigenous women and girls are facing. Yes, yes, you you do interweave that quite effectively in your podcast. And I did want to ask you about what you thought of the efforts now at the federal level. Uh, so we have Secretary Deb Holland, who has launched basically an agency that would specifically look at murders and missing persons, those cases in Indian country. Can you talk about this step and and what you think it could mean in terms of some level of attention and accountability that has been missing? Yeah, I mean, I, it's it's really kind of remarkable, especially today. I'm so glad that we're talking today because this May 5th is a day that uh, advocates and activists have been marketing for years to raise awareness about this this issue of, of violence in Indigenous communities. But I've never seen um, the visibility that I'm seeing today ever before. Mm-hmm. Like, there, you know, it's there's so much attention being paid on on social media by you know programs like yourself um, and uh, you know ac- across the country. And 
Um, yesterday, uh, President Biden proclaimed that today um, is a National Missing and Murdered Indigenous Persons Awareness Day. And that, coupled with Deb Haaland's announcement um, a few weeks ago about the creation of this unit that is going to look at unsolved cases of murdered and missing Indigenous peoples, uh, I think is hugely significant. You know, I, I think that this crisis of violence is not new. This has been ongoing in our communities for decades. You know, this is something that we have been well aware of. But the fact is that that it has gone largely ignored, um, you know, in, in mainstream media and, and therefore, you know, by by law enforcement sometimes, by politicians sometimes. And so this this I think it's quite significant, especially for families who, like Jermaine's family, are still desperate for answers, who are still longing to bring their loved ones home or to find some form of justice. And when when you're you know, you're a family going through some, you know, some terrible trauma, like your your loved one's been missing or has been killed and you don't feel that you can turn to law enforcement or you don't feel that they're taking it seriously enough. I, I think that the announcement of a, of a unit that is going to be dedicated to helping to solve these cases is is incredibly um, welcome and, and brings hope. But but even beyond that, I think that, that just the awareness um, and acknowledgement that this is a, a crisis, that this is an important issue and how it's and beginning to kind of understand how that's connected back to this bigger story. Um, yes. It feels very significant. One of the things that you also talk about with regard to violence is that sexual violence is such a big part of Jermaine's life, of the life on the reservation in terms of when you spoke with Jocelyn about rape and murder. And and there is this moment when you talk with an advocate of uh, people who have experienced sexual violence, Lauren Small Rodriguez, a member of the Northern Cheyenne tribe, who actually told you about Jermaine's case. Mm-hmm. She tells you how incredibly frightened Indigenous women are of being taken, of being potentially um, sexually assaulted. I want to play a little bit of what she says to you here, which is heartbreaking. You have to be on alert because you can be harassed, you can be, you know, groped, you can be followed to your car, you can be pushed in, you can be kidnapped. And, and so we were always taught, if someone throws you in the car, if someone tries to kidnap you, scream and fight and gouge eyes, do whatever you can, because that's going to be your last chance of fighting for your life. Even if there's a gun involved, you need to fight. Don't let a, a weapon scare you, because it's it's either you fighting back or you know being murdered that's a clip from stolen the search for Jermaine, a podcast hosted by my guest connie walker you're listening to forum i mean a kim connie walker what have you over your years of covering these kinds of stories learned about why indigenous women are so vulnerable to violence You've talked some about the the broader systemic issues, the history of colonization, you know, broken treaties and racism. What are we not understanding? I mean, I, I think that really what this issue is um, is doing is it's providing a, a window into understanding the realities that, you know, all Indigenous people live and experience in our communities today. You know, what Lauren was talking about, that fear of being taken, that fear of 
of of being a victim of some kind of violence is is so visceral and real and you can hear it in her voice because that is something that is genuine you know she talked to me about you know being concerned about you know stopping at, you know for for gas or going to use a public bathroom in, in some of these truck stops and i think that that you know that that for people i think who have been so underrepresented in mainstream media. I mean, I'm talking about Indigenous people. And, and often when we are included, it's a misrepresentation. I, I think that, you know, we really um, have to start at the beginning and, and think about all of the things that we don't understand about the realities that Indigenous people live and experience. Um, and the rates of violence is, is one part of that, you know, and, and I think that that it, it can't be separated from um, the the truth about our shared history, you know, Indigenous people have been living alongside settlers for for hundreds of years now, and when you think about, you know, what what we, what is our understanding of that history? What is our understanding of the Indigenous perspective of that history? It's very limited, you know, in terms of what we're taught in schools and what we learn about in mainstream media. And our podcast is, you know, is 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 meant to be. Uh, you know, a, a chance, a glimpse into a, a reality that far too many Indigenous people experience. Um, and, and the truths that, that Lauren speaks about um, are, are truths that, that come from lived experience. You know, she works with trafficking victims. She works with survivors, who, uh, Indigenous women who have been trafficked. She has family members who have been victims of violence. Um, you know, th- this, is, this is a reality that, that so many Indigenous people live and experience. Well, this listener writes, there are people who don't see Native women as human. Mm. Where are you now with the Jermaine Charlo case? I was seeing some reports that you feel like there's, there's, you could be close or that the, the investigators could be close to some information that could bring about a resolution or at least some answers. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely going to continue to to report on any and all developments in, in Jermaine's case. You know, I think that that what the podcast has been able to do is is really shine a light on Jermaine's case and and through. And I don't want to, you know, I know people are very concerned about spoilers. And I don't want to give any away, but I feel like you know we're able to provide a lot of insight into the police investigation into Jermaine's disappearance, which you know. I think one of the biggest takeaways for me is that, you know, she was reported missing, um, you know, five days after she went missing. Um, and, and then there was a detective who was assigned to her case, but he only worked on it for one day before he went on his vacation. So really the investigation, the police investigation into Jermaine's disappearance by the Missoula city police department didn't start until 11 days after her disappearance. And her family is still questioning, you know, what was lost in those 11 days, what information could, could they have gotten if there was a quicker response. And, and I think that, you know, there, there are absolutely like, this is still an open and active investigation. The detective, who's who's been working on this for the last two and a half years, Detective Guy Baker, um, you know, says he is still actively working on Jermaine's case every week. Um, and, and absolutely, you know, if, if, if and when there are developments, those are things that we're going to continue to follow. Connie Walker, thank you so much for talking with us. I really appreciate it and for your work on this. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate, um, you know, you helping to make space for this conversation. Thank you. The podcast has stolen the search for Jermaine from Gimlet Media. And I want to thank our listeners for their attention this hour and to our producers, Susan Britton and Grace One for producing today's segments. You've been listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim.
Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Hey, John Favreau here. There's no shortage of political takes in 2024, but quantity doesn't cut it. We need a better conversation about the latest biggest election of our lives. On Pod Save America, me and my co-host cut through the noise to help you figure out what matters and how you can help. Every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, Pod Save America is breaking down the political news that makes us laugh, cry, and snap our laptops in half. Expensive year for laptops. Make sure to check out new episodes of Pod Save America on your favorite podcast platform or our YouTube channel now. 